0: Welcome to the Truth Exchange podcast, the unique program where we have conversations about worldview all through the lens of one-ism and twoism. And this lens is based on Romans one twenty five. We've exchanged the truth of God for the lie, worship and serve creation rather than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. I'm your host Joshua Gillo, and today I have a special guest, but uh, a not. Our amateur guest on the program, it's Pamela Frost. She works with Truth Exchange as one of our researchers. She's also serving on the board for Truth Exchange. Pam, it's good to have you back on the program.
1: Thanks, Joshua. It's really fun to be here with you. I love know, it, working with you.
0: I love working with you. You know, I'm, I'm coming up on over 10 years being with the ministry, and I am so thrilled. Um, my life has been, and my ministry has been so deeply impacted by um, your work with the ministry. And it's always exciting to um, come into meetings and discuss the latest things and trends and culture and things that you have learned. Um, and and for me, to be able to over the years, be able to bounce ideas off of you, it's been just a real pleasure. And, you know, it's been a couple years since we've done the podcast. We had to put that down for a while. And now that things have settled, now that I'm having this East Coast office in Columbia, South Carolina, it's just really nice to be able to do this again. So I'm looking forward to producing more content with you.
1: Yeah, I am too. Really excited about it.
0: Just recently um, in July, uh, just a month ago, I was attending an online symposium or conference of Revoice. Um, so it's been kind of my, my hat to go and, and listen in on the dis- the discussions of side A and side B, homosexuality in the church, you were attending a conference around the same time an online conference from your home so but it was called the karma summit 2020 what is the karma summit is this a first time event is this an old event
1: well this is a it was a first time event it was hosted by a company called gudera g e g o o d e r a headed by uh an indian man um Uh, whose name is Abhishek Kumbhad. Uh, He has offices in Bangalore, India, and San Mateo, California. And it was over two days, July twenty third, 22nd and 23rd, um, from 6 a.m. to noon for those two days. So six hours with almost no break. It just went from speaker to speaker to speaker. There were a couple of times where you had a five-minute break. But it it was really an intense back to back one speaker right after the other, um, and the the focus it was on the um, the opportunity afforded to the world by the global lockdown from COVID to create in the image of a good humanity that never fell that you know the internal goodness and compassion of human every human being to create a permanent new normal so it was uh it was very intense and i just in in beginning this with with describing this before I really launch into what it was, um, what was going on with it, I, I just want to put a little bit of context here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything in life can be evaluated by two concepts the doctrine of God, mm-hmm. our theology, and the doctrine of man, our mm-hmm. anthropology. Yep. Biblically, the doctrine of God, just very simplistically, the, as truth exchanges, so beautifully pointed out um it's either well it's based on twoism there's there's a clear distinction between the creator god and everything else at the creation and human beings are at the pinnacle of god's create creation we're created in the image and likeness of god for his glory and to to reflect that glory in our character mm. uh, the problem was the fall into sin mm-hmm. and our need is redemption atonement by the blood of Jesus
0: so Pam when you when you said you start off with that intro I instantly thought okay so th- they're saying that this pandemic COVID-19 has graciously brought us into a halty moment where we can regroup right I-
1: New Tower of Babel, without mentioning the term.
0: <laughs> right. So so, in and, and Christians, we would say, okay, in God's good providence, he's allowed this as creator to say, I'm going to do something. I'm doing something. There's a shakeup that's happened. I mean, all over the world, business, trade, uh, it's all come to a halt. Churches have, have ceased in, in their public worship, their corporate worship. Uh, And things have gotten massively shaken up. And the one is right there is is that Christians say, no, God is is sovereign. He rules and reigns as creator on majesty on high. And this karma summit says, well, this disease has come. This created thing of creature is here and it's telling us to stop.
1: Right. Yeah. And and I just, I just want to further with the contrast here because the beauty of the truth Mm -hmm. you know romans 125 they exchanged the truth of god for the lie and they worship the creation rather than the creator who's blessed forevermore so there's blessing and protection when we understand in humility we bow in repentance before the lord and say lord i'm a sinner and i trust in the shed blood of jesus to cleanse me uh, you know from and and then there's reconciliation and there's joy which is our strength in god god is with us and for us in fellowship it's i mean it's a beautiful uh, talk about uh unveiling of human potential it's not human potential it's christ in us the hope of glory mm-hmm. but what what mm-hmm. one says uh the doctrine of god what did satan say in the garden of eden blow off god's authority be autonomous so it's really the root of atheism. Mm. It's atheism Puts man as the measure. I'll be my own god. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'll decide what is good and what is evil for myself. Thank you very much. I deny God. Move over. Get out of my life. And Satan says, "Oh, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be enlightenment. It's going to be well." Scripture says he appears as an angel of light, mm-hmm. but his plan for humanity is destruction. Hell was was created. The lake of fire was created as a place of punishment for the devil and his angels. He doesn't have a benevolent desire towards humanity. He wants yeah. people destroyed. And so when we exchange this idea of original sin and our need for redemption, reconciliation, and ultimately the restoration of creation, um, it, it, we, we fail that formula, biblical formula of creation, fall, redemption, restoration well satan says oh no you're not fallen it's an original blessing you're you're really good inside Mm -hmm. and you can do what you want because you're naturally good and what you're going to desire is going to be good and so it's the perennial um heresy as thomas molnar the the anglican writer called it of of uh, utopia utopia the perennial heresy so this is based on man's ability to create human flourishing and especially through globalization mm-hmm. elimination of of uh, borders you know elimination of distinctions particularly religions particularly christianity so i just wanted to set that as a backdrop to consider what was going on here at karma summit 2020
0: that's
1: helpful um, because it was really fascinating. There were over 4,000 people from uh, who participated from 42 countries. Now, gudera and Carmen Summit 2020, this might sound like an obscure kind of unimportant, almost new agey kind of went off thing that people did and it doesn't have really any global significance. But that couldn't be further from the truth. There were um, a number of multinational corporations represented with high-level executive vice presidents, board members. Um, Just off the top of my head, I'll name a few of these corporations that were represented, ExxonMobil, Nestle, uh, General Electric, Uber, um, uh, the JD Smucker Company, and a number of others, just big, readily recognized corporations, healthcare providers, um, technology industry leaders were there, and they, a lot of these were the speakers, so they had the platform to speak. Um, the rest of the participants were all assumed to be uh, participants in leaders of um, – uh, ngos non governmental organizations um, with a heavy leaning towards the agenda of the United nations, um, particularly the United nations sustainable goals develop, sustainable development goals which they called the SDGs um, were prominent and let me just read you the um, a statement from the website of Gudera um, to what they are about and what this summit was intending. We are transforming the CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. What they were promoting through their um, many um, speakers was a principle called stakeholder capitalism. Stakeholder capitalism Involves what, what that means is that the consumer, the workers, the you know, the designers, the manufacturers, it just anyone at any level of participation with a product or a design or an idea that a corporation might put out is a stakeholder in that corporation. Mm. So there is heavy emphasis on. Shifting the weight of remuneration from entrepreneurs and developers and corporate leaders to everyone else. I mean, it's really a form of it's an implementation of the Marxist ideology of to each according to his ability, to each according to his need. Mm-hmm. Um, they masked that Marxist terminology with phrases like. Uh, with terminology such as stakeholder capitalism, which is anti-capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's the undoing of it from the inside out.
0: How does that work out for some of these big, these bigger companies? I, I'm always suspicious when I hear big companies like that, being interested in, in socialism or Marxism, or when I hear actors say, you know, they're very, they're anti-capitalism. And I just think you're a millionaire. Like, are you really just going to open up your bank account and let all your funds be drained so that you can leave your lavish lifestyle?
1: Well, what's interesting that I... Doesn't that makes sense? Yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And, and I have been pondering that myself. But what, what I learned um, from this event, because I did a little side research on some of the speakers. I'd look up, you know, I, most of these people I'd never heard of. Uh and i'd look up who they are what they've been about and i discovered that for the last 10 years at least there's been a heavy interest a heavy emphasis in major corporate structure on sustainable sustainable development which is frankly code language for the worship of the earth because Mm. it's not about it's just not about well we should sustain our our economy and our prosperity and make things good and lasting and workable. Sustainable development is a United Nations term that really indicates the worship of the earth. We have to sustain the earth and we have to really diminish the importance of human beings all in the name of human flourishing and global flourishing. So, I mean, you see right there, it's an undercut uh, against God Mm-hmm. And, and man created in the image and likeness of God. So it's a very antithetical um, term, which probably isn't that widely understood. So yeah. there's been this emphasis on this. There's also been tremendous pressure on corporations to become politically correct. There's an influx of young leaders, particularly this Gudera uh, organization of Abishak Humbad. Um, what they do is they provide services to corporations, to companies, to completely shift their focus and emphasis from the old way of doing business to the new, mm. which um, uh, is completely based on stakeholder capitalistic ideas. Um, one of the speakers at this conference um, suggested, for instance, well, it didn't just suggest, was these were These ideas were pretty much, I'd say, in the category of really being emphasized, if not mandated. it was like the global mandate, that if you're a white financier of a corporation or, or a um, uh, um, a foundation, you know, like the, the benevolent giving foundations as a white person, you should recuse yourself, because oh, if you also serve as a board member, you should recuse yourself and give your spot, but you should get off the board and give that position to a person of color. So there, that's kind of the mindset. And the, there was a lot of executive vice presidents of major corporations um, major globalist endeavors, major, particularly technological corporations, um, and the emphasis was on a, a newer, younger, uh, ideal management um, personnel structure. Huh. So you you have within some of these big companies, there's been like an indoctrination from within and really a mind shift from within. And Gudera is one of the major companies um, facilitating that shift.
0: Can you give us a snapshot of the workshops and then the overall vision and conclusion?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Several workshops, the introductory session was led by Abhishek uh, Humbad who um, introduced it. And then his emphasis was on the need to create a karma cycle of good. So let's define what karma is and what that means. I mean, we're dealing with an Indian man. I, I presume he's probably coming from a Hindu perspective. And he certainly was using the term karma to create a cycle of good. So this this summit is about good karma on every level, globally, so that we can all come together as one. So just what is karma? Well, karma is the idea, it's based on um, the Hindu idea of the circle of what's called samsara, that's the technical term, or the circle of reincarnation, which means that what you do in this life is gonna affect what you come back as in the next life. Mm -hmm. And your current status in this life was determined by what you did in past lives and the karma credit that you built up, either good karma or bad karma. So, and, and as defined by Hindu yogic principles, of good and evil, which are not in line with biblical principles of good and evil. Um, and we know scripturally it's appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment. We don't, we, don't, we don't come back and have more lives and get more chances. And if I have it bad in this life, it's because of my bad karma. But now I can be really good and I'll have good karma. So that's, that's Karma Summit 2020 is based on this idea that you've got to build up a cycle of good karma and you've it's got to be comprehensive the entire globe has to be involved so we have to have a universal karmic cycle of good to usher in uh human flourishing and not not really human flourishing it would be planetary flourishing because mm-hmm. this really isn't about well they'd say it's about people flourishing but it's Actually, about d- diminishing the value of the individual. So, um, anyways, there were fireside chats. A lot of a lot of fireside chats, just generally formed the uh, the workshops. the The initial one was with a Nobel laureate, um, Kalash Satyarthi. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, a Hindu man who's been Uh, really working uh, towards eliminating child slavery and child labor, won a Nobel laureate for it, um, Peace Prize for it, and is a laureate. He's a child rights activist. He he is calling for the creation of compassionate governments, economies, politics, and religions. And he and others throughout these workshops we're pretty much on the same page. This, this man, um, Kailash Satya, Satyarthi, um, he has worked with the Dalai Lama, uh, who is kind of the self-appointed global ambassador for compassion and loving kindness. Now, the word compassion played a big role in this summit. You notice here in this first fireside chat this was the introductory fireside chat after um the the general uh, introduction um the goal is to train the children of the world to live by the compassion inside them so you can see it's a denial of original sin mm-hmm. it's the assertion of a of what matthew fox um a prominent new age once catholic uh, uh, priest uh, booted out of Catholicism and major new age guru um, he's called it original blessing so mm-hmm. we're returning to original blessing and a kind of an Edenic, uh vision of recreating uh, paradise for the earth for our mother earth um, so they're saying Train the children to live by the compassion already inside them so they're good, there's no sin. The problem is, we're all compassionate, we just have to reach deep down inside and discover our inner goodness and compassion. At this point, he did not mention one of the techniques for this to attain this is the practice of mindfulness meditation. Uh, yeah, that, that came straight out and said, Uh, one gal. I have I have fifteen pages of notes, so I have to look through and find <laughs> where I think I have it highlighted here.
0: This is a real um very thought through catechism. I mean, going for the children yes, and, and restructuring absolutely. of how our what will produce a culture that is, is quite juxtaposed from Christian. You know, it's we have we have been blessed to live in a country that has lived off of a Christian worldview, um, yes, and even while we have had ungodly men in power, we've lived off of the economy of Christian ethics and been blessed by that. Absolutely, we're, we're coming now into an age where that we don't <laughs> we're losing that, and it strikes me this is going to really be a a call to action for the church to realize that this is, this is, we are wrestling against, not against flesh and blood, but against p- principalities. We're wrestling against ideologies Absolutely. that are better that are of demons.
1: Yes. doctrines so, of demons.
0: Anyways, random. No, plot. that's,
1: I really appreciate that. And just a couple of other companies. I just happened Coca-Cola was involved. Uh, representatives from Coca-Cola, the business anchor for Bloomberg, uh nestle corporation um several others and uh i'm just scrolling down here we are yeah mondes international which is a large snack food company hmm. um novartis which is a global healthcare company yeah um yeah okay now here's mindfulness meditation it was this gal christine mcgrath vice president of, and chief of global impact for this snack company, Mondes International. She was talking about we have to develop mindful eating and mindful snacking. And she herself practices mindfulness meditation every day. Uh, And she is training leadership teams, corporate leadership teams, uh, taking mindfulness training to de-stress so what
0: is what what is mindful eating well yeah i I, I mean if if it's just being like okay i'm gonna count the calories um on this and you know it's probably you know i just had a whole cake and a coke it's probably not (laughs) is it like is it as simple as that or is there something more because we did a we did a podcast on mindfulness and, and the bible talks about being mindful the bible talks about meditation But what we hear in cult and society is not what scripture talks about. And that's a total jettison of anything. You just flush everything that's in your mind out the door and you allow whatever is knocking to come in. Come on in demons, come on weird thoughts and, and have your way. Whereas the Christian says, I'm going to think on what is good, what is lovely. I'm going to think about doctrine. I'm going to think about Jesus and what he's done. And think about the church, it's it's you know, it's totally different. So, did she talk about what is mindful eating? Well, mindful
1: eating it would be their, their emphasis was on instead of eating a bag of potato chips, you maybe eat I don't know if there's such a thing as cucumber chips, you know, okay. something healthy for you. And uh, it was the idea behind mindful eating and healthy snacking. And mindful snacking, it it's, sounds like, oh, this is health oriented. This is right, good right. for me. We've been under stress from being locked down. So, you know, we've eaten too much and put on a few pounds, and we need to get back to mindful eating to be, you know, like you said, to be aware of and, and mindful. Pay attention to what we're eating. Let's get health conscience. Mm-hmm. But let me just give a quick definition of what mindfulness is because this was very much in the context. Of mindfulness meditation which is a Buddhist terminology um, and keep in mind the influence and role of the Dalai Lama who is the head of Tibetan Buddhism he's the spiritual and political head of Tibetan Buddhism and, mm-hmm. and just just a quick fact about the Dalai Lama because you were talking about the spiritual component here being demonic um, I just do want to mention that the Dalai Lama um, He receives uh, information and direction for his leadership and for his directing of the Tibetan people in exile in in Dharamsala, India. He receives uh, direction directly from the spirit realm through a lama who has the official role of being what's called the Neshung oracle. Which means, and I, you can look it up. I, I don't recommend this to <laughs> people to do. I, I don't recommend doing it. But because of my research, I have uh, looked it up and I've watched. You can see actual footage of this llama. Um, it's very ritualistic. They put particular, special magical robes on him, uh, an 80 pound headdress uh, that's secured tightly on him that would frankly, break the neck of the average person. And they, in the incantations, you just, you watch the whole process of him coming under direct demon possession. Mm. We don't like to think about that. But this is, this is the neshang oracle. And then he is thrown and tossed around like a rag doll. This 80 pound headdress is just going back and forth in every which way. And Other lamas are uh, on his sides, holding him upright. And then he's making these so-called divine utterances for the Dalai Lama, for the good of the Dalai Lama, the direction for the Tibetan people. And as usual, they are the, just like with the um, Oracle of Delphi, these kind of nebulous, kind of generic, um oracles well that's the kind of thing it is and and in, in fact i have to say this it reminds me of some of the new apostolic reformation people mm. with their oracles from god you can listen to them and they'll go and then god said you know there's going to be strife and there's going to be trouble but you're supposed to hold firm i mean it's very nebulous prophetic material and you know so it, occasionally the national Oracle will say, get that guy or <laughs> do this or do that. So the Dalai Lama is dependent on that. Well, I think people need to understand that because, you know, even, uh, well, years ago when we were watching Rob Bell and the emergent movement and Rob Bell became enamored with the Dalai Lama and became, became a disciple of him and decided, well, everything is spiritual, but of course not in the Christian understanding. And, You know, it's just hanging on every word of the Dalai Lama, um, uh, who's preaching compassion uh, and loving kindness. But back to mindfulness. So, you know, and it's through the practice of mindfulness meditation that the Dalai Lama says we can attain compassion and loving kindness. So, just a thumbnail: um, mindfulness meditation essentially is you focus attention intently on nothing but the present moment the kind of be here now mentality you can still think your mind is functioning but you are to, you are to kind of be in an in an existential state of mind where you are aware of the just isness of everything and you suspend evaluation of right and wrong you suspend judgment so you're in this very receptive state Really, it's an altered state of consciousness, and it's a state which renders you um, very susceptible to a form of brainwashing, to mind control, Uh, and is completely antithetical to Scripture. As you mentioned, Scripture says we are to take every thought captive in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to know Scripture. We're to meditate day and night on the Word of God. David said... Your word, O God, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you in Psalm 119. Mm -hmm. So, And like you said, uh, Philippians 4, 8, we're to think on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is right, anything of good report, anything worthy of praise. Think on these things. We're to think Mm -hmm. scripturally, biblically. Mm -hmm. And that's going to make us um, not preach a gospel of mindfulness and this empty vapid compassion and loving kindness but the true good news of jesus christ who redeems fallen sinners regenerates us gives us his holy spirit and then through our lives works out the process of sanctification as we study and and conform our lives to the word of god through the power of the holy spirit so um, it just even with that point Um, the gospel is Christ did it for us and now works it out in us by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word of God. And uh, the mindfulness, mindset, compassion, loving kindness of Tibetan Buddhism and of Buddhism in general, this is a very Buddhist message. It's a um, Hindu message. It's based on karma. It's all based on works righteousness and you never get there.
0: Incredible.
1: So anyways, I, it's just, I think it's so important to understand the very title, Karma Summit 2020. We're creating, the desire here is to create a world based on good karma to build up your karma credit um, globally and to create compassionate governments, politics, religions that are redefined religion. Everything has to be homogenized and redefined according to compassion not in a biblical sense but in the dalai lama's uh, sense of the doctrine of demons of false compassion Mm -hmm. so that you like for instance the gospel of jesus christ it says human beings are uh, born dead in trespasses and sins you know believes the bible teaches original sin um we're accountable to god we're separated from god and we needed jesus to come down and to redeem us well that's not compassionate within this eastern mystical concept really i mean honestly the overarching spirituality of this event was eastern mysticism with um support for lgbtq and black lives matters essentially anarchy as um, de facto requirements. Let me just read to you the overall formula that I came away with um, after reviewing my notes from this. COVID-19 has led to global lockdown. This has led to global economic hardship. This has redefined the workplace we all now work from home. This has led to a virtual volunteerism through technology movement. So, and, and I wanna emphasize that, one of the major themes of Karma Summit 2020 was a universal movement of volunteerism. So, each, no one can be left behind Everybody has a responsibility to participate, and we're all—we all are supposed to be volunteers towards creating the new normal. Okay, and it's—it's it's really based on uh, neo-Marxist principles of redistribution of wealth, and um, one of the big principles, a foundational principle here, was the idea of um, um, diversity inclusivity so this is where the lgbtq comes in because it's the idea of the one all is one no ultimate distinctions and then as a political um and idea well it's not really political but as a social justice movement black lives matter is the emblematic um symbol for social justice at this point. Mm -hmm. So those things have to tie all tie in together. Everybody, nobody can sit this out. Everybody's got to be a volunteer towards the new normal, which is the elimination. They don't say it's the elimination of capitalism and Christianity, but it's essentially the elimination of the whole Judeo-Christian structure, which has been, uh, what um Antonio Gramsci, one of the the, uh, the new uh who the new uh cultural neo-Marxists um defined as you couldn't have violent revolution in the West until you knocked down the Judeo-Christian structures, institutions of the West, the final one being the church. You had to take the church out. Um, so All of this aims towards creating a utopian, better, new normal through volunteerism. And all these pieces are integral. Uh, Everyone must join and participate. And you know, I'm sure they won't think well of the outliers such as Bible-believing Christians who stand against this um, deception.
0: We're always trying to ruin their fun.
1: (laughs) We're always trying to ruin their fun. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. And just one of the people that spoke on a discussion panel, there were several fireside chats. There were several discussion panels. One of the guys who led, uh, who moderated one of the discussion panels, was a man named Mark Kramer, Founder of a corporate corporation called F as in Frank, S is in Sam, G as in George. F S G. The uh, and his talk was called Reimagining Social Change. And um, hmm. and this particular person, Mark Kramer. I, by the way, I never could. I have not been able to find what the letters F S G stand for. I've looked all through their website hmm. and. I just uh, I would love to know if anyone figures that out what FSG stands for, but I couldn't find it. But anyways, this is from his website quote the launch of intern of in- the launch of internal affinity groups for African diaspora LGBTQIA plus allies, the differently abled not disabled but the differently mm-hmm. abled parents slash caregivers and gender circles. I mean, they're very much of an activist group in this regard. Um, So you can see, and then you can see that within this universal utopian oneist ideal, everything has to be included. One of the other speakers was um, Michael Sheldrick, who's an interesting person. I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, Joshua. And I, I don't know if listeners will be aware of or remember Michael Sheldrick, who's a Brit. Um, he hosted an eight hour event called kind of towards the beginning of the COVID lockdown called mm. One World Together at Home. Mm-hmm. Um Lady Gaga played a prominent role in this. International stars uh, from around the world, um, and the message was he's he's um, the founder of a group called Global Citizen. So you can I'm hoping that I'm communicating the idea here. Really, the theme of um, Karma Summit 2020 was creating. Global citizenship through and creating an army of of volunteerism, just a massive movement of volunteerism mm-hmm. and, and you can kind of see that happening right now with the way that Black Lives Matters has been shifted from peaceful protests over an unjust killing mm-hmm. um, to radical anarchy and cancel culture, which frankly is reminiscent of, uh, the French revolution of the tactics of the Bolsheviks and of the tactics of the brown shirts, the Nazi brown shirts. So you get an idea of what this mandate of global citizenship is. It's tear down the Judeo-Christian structure of the West, redistribute wealth globally, yeah, it's kind of the the Marxist playbook.
0: I didn't hear you mention any Christian businesses, uh, uh, like the the CEO of Hobby Lobby or or something like that, in <laughs> attendance. Is this a Pied Piper? Is this the modern day Pied Piper that's going to lead uh, to to bring hope and change that Gen Zers, millennials, are buying into? as the way forward.
1: Yeah, I I like the way you put that, Joshua, that it is a kind of a Pied Piper for the younger generations who have probably um, been unwittingly indoctrinated through public education um, to accept Marxist ideology veiled as progressivism or, or just humanitarianism or just plain goodness and fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I have friends whose grandkids graduate from top name universities uh, with straight A's and now are self-professing Marxists. They don't even say that they're cultural marxist neo-marxist they just say they're out and out marxist so i i do think too that through the social justice movement um it's really invading and influencing and infiltrating um even evangelical circles shifting the gospel emphasis well and and you Think back to the early 20th century when Walter Rauschenbusch, the uh, you know higher critic of Scripture, who denied the deity of Christ, the you know all the essentials of the biblical faith, the resurrection, um, and shifted the gospel within liberal denominations to which would, to a humanist view of um, we've got to cure the world's ills. We can do it. Let's all come together we've got to make this happen. We have the power to do it. And this is, again, at that time, the emphasis was to turn away from man's real problem, which is sin and to turn to this idea of, of internal goodness. Well, it it may be obscured. I mean, you might be acting out, maybe you commit a murder uh, or do something really evil but actually, if you could really get down to the core of you, the real true self of you, you'd find a sinless place um, where God has always dwelt, anyway, so you're really good. You just have to uncover that and discover it. And I'm a little bit well, I'm more than a little bit concerned you You saw that happen within the liberal denominations through the 20th century, to the point where they didn't have a message. I mean, you know, modernist humanism, secular humanism was just as good as what mainline liberal churches that didn't have a gospel anymore were yeah. offering. And you saw their attendance plummeting. Yeah. And the, the churches you see growing are churches that are preaching the biblical gospel, the biblical truth, that are, that are teaching biblical theology so my concern is that while um wherever true evangelical faith has gone in the world through missionary movements um it has always been concerned with the welfare of people christians build hospitals you know medical centers um education so that people can read the bible you know missionaries have have uh, bible translators have given uh the scriptures to languages where there was no written language before, now those people have a written language. Now they can learn multiple languages. They can uh, they can rise out of abject poverty and have a fair shake at uh, you know competing in the world. So, in, in addition to the most important thing, which is hearing and knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. so that Christianity has never been blind to the uh, horrific conditions caused by the fall. In fact, true compassion is Christian compassion. It's gospel compassion, yeah. the regeneration of the souls, and then teaching people techniques for you know, clean water wells and uh, good hygiene and education and training the mind, Christianly thinking. Educating children, the elevation of the status of women and children. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it's just, so what's represented here is a real counterfeit of that. It doesn't work. It never has worked. It always leads to um, tyranny in the
0: end. I'm reminded of um, a talk that Dr. Jones gave a number of years ago about love of God and love of neighbor. And our love of God is what informs how we are to love our neighbor. Whereas if you eliminate God, what's the point of loving your neighbor? Um, we well, need to. Well, it's
1: really. Let me just. Can I just yeah. tie in with one point there? Yeah. Because you're so right. And instead of really leading to human flourishing. Mm-hmm. It leads to the annihilation of the value of individual humans created in the image and likeness of God. So it leads to the individual as completely expendable. They, they, you know they didn't say that in here, but that's that's the ultimate. If if we're all one, well, just going back to Hinduism and, and Buddhism, the worldview of hinduism we're all one we're all divine we're all part of brahman the uh, great universal divinity that's impersonal unknowable um and yet we're part of of brahman uh, our soul called atman is really one with brahman yeah. so it's it's this universalism ultimately individuals just the individual value disappears because it's the corporate common good, so to speak. So what's good for the individual has to yield way for what the so-called defined by somebody mm-hmm. uh, common good is. And in Buddhism, um, you don't even get to merge into the nothingness and and the unawareness and the blank-mindedness of Brahman. The end of buddhism is extinction the Hmm. soul you find out they have a doctrine called anatta which means no soul which means you never existed in the first place and all the suffering in the world is ultimately meaningless and and an illusion because when you meditate and you turn within and you um uh, deny the distinction between good and evil, and you end up in altered states of consciousness. By the way, uh, mindfulness meditation is step seven on what 's called the noble eightfold path to nirvana of buddhism it 's step seven preparing the mind to enter step a, which is called samadhi, which is a Hindu term, it's a Sanskrit term, means the same thing, where you enter into non-dual transcendent consciousness. Non-dual means not to. So it's where all distinctions disappear. And you, in Buddhism, you enter this state of Mm non-duality. And that's the state that you ascend into nirvana, where the Buddhists describe it Where the soul is finally, I'd say the illusion of the soul is finally blown out as the flame of a candle is blown out. Wow. This is annihilation. This is extinction. So it's not good news for the individual.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) And we, we need to wrap up the show, so I have one question from one of our listeners. He says, Hey, Joshua, my wife and I attend a PCA church. I have some very close Christian friends that are heavily involved in yoga, muscle testing, NAET for allergies, Qigong, Feng Shui, and other distance energy healing practices. Both of them are considering going full time and opening up their own practice in some form or other. How do I help my friends?
1: Well, you've really got to pray a lot because once people have kind of bought into that and it's really, it's, it's an uphill battle to get people to understand what's taking place here. Um, you mentioned yoga. Uh, li- name, read off the listing again. Yeah,
0: so the list is yoga, which we have, we've touched on muscle testing. Mm-hmm. N A E T for allergies. Um, that's similar to um, where they, 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 they'll prick your, your body, um, or uh, yeah, you'll prick your body with a needle that has been in like dairy or yeast, and they're t- trying to figure out if your body has a, a reaction to it, and they're trying to figure out ways to um, cure you. Uh, qigong, Feng Shui and other distance energy healing. So I think um, if we could and do it. Are
1: Christians. these are participating Christians participating in this.
0: Right. Uh, so what is Qigong?
1: Okay, it, it's pronounced Qigong. Qigong. Uh, Qi, which is Q-I, but it's pronounced it's pronounced C-H-I. It's a, the word Qi is Chinese. Um, it means... Um, the universal energy, which is the divine. It's very similar to, in Hinduism, uh, the breath is divine. It's called prana. You channel the prana. In Japan, it's called ki, K-I, as in reiki, the practice of reiki. So qigong is essentially, um, it's interesting that, while the movements are different than yoga, it's similar to yoga in that you are channeling and balancing universal energy for your own inner health, spiritual well-being, and at the same time in the practice of Qigong, you are also radiating outward uh, good vibrations into the universe to help balance the entire universe. So you're balancing this universal energy, which is uh, viewed as divine, um, so this is if you if you think about this, I mean, it's, it's saying that God is a universal energy. He's impersonal, um, unintelligible, unknowable. Can only be felt and experienced, but can be manipulated through your motions. Like Qi Gong has very slow. It's uh, in some ways it's similar to Tai Chi, where mm-hmm. it's the movements are very. Um, aesthetic and very slow but they're all done in unison you you can see a group of a hundred or more people uh, practicing qigong uh, or tai chi or yoga for that matter and they're doing these movements in uh, unison and they're channeling this universal energy now just think back to the nineteen. sixties uh, and seventies when the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi uh, the, you know who popularized transcendental meditation in the West where he, he was saying if only two percent of the world's population would practice transcendental meditation simultaneously you would usher in an era of world peace and so we think now fast-forward to people participating in qigong, feng shui, um, well, qigong, yoga, they're, they're very similar um, uh, practices. If you can get everybody to practice yoga and you can practice qigong and you can practice, um, well, and reiki, the channeling of, of this universe. So this is antithetical. To the gospel completely antithetical to the gospel you just briefly you mentioned feng shui feng shui is it's based on um, channeling uh, universe well it's balancing universal energy but it's for instance how you would arrange your home your office your living space it has to be balanced you know you, you can call in a feng shui consultant who will come in honestly they're, they almost function like a spirit medium because mm. they will come in <clears throat> and do a reading of your space, a spiritual reading of your space and then balance. You no, know, you've got to move this piece of furniture over there. We're not talking about aesthetics. We're talking about balancing spiritual enemy, uh, uh, energy. um, one thing I wanted to say when you think about qigong, any any of these practices where you are doing movements, usually combined with a meditative state of mind, where you're emptying the mind, you're opening yourself up to the cosmic consciousness, so to speak, and you you are in control of channeling, aligning this cosmic energy and aligning vibrations of the universe, what does that make you? It makes you divine. Mm -hmm. And really, in a sense, isn't, I don't mean to be offensive here, but think with me. Isn't that kind of the point of witchcraft? That you're in control? Isn't that kind of an incantation or spell that you're kind of spell casting? So this is very dangerous. I mean, these energies, number one, they don't exist. Uh, if, you, if you get in touch with and feel a sensation of um, some kind of spiritual entity working with which there are documented cases of this, a woman named Jessica Smith, who was very much into all this stuff, she thought it was all good, and uh, she... Um, had uh, all these experiences of entities and spirit masters, well, she ended up coming to Christ, and she found out all these spirit masters—they started manifesting. They were demons. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: we we can't play around with some kind of universal energy. You know, at, at best, it's just benign, and you're deceiving yourself. Yeah, it's like a it's a pseudo-science. A pseudoscience. Yeah. At worst, you're actually opening yourself up to the demonic realm.
0: Yeah.
1: And you mentioned the um, muscle testing, which yeah. is called kinesiology, and I don't mean to step on my toes here, because I know there are a number of fine Christian chiropractors who use this kinesiology muscle testing, but I've read extensively on it, and I've read medical evaluations of it, because, and, and it's completely bogus. Um, And it's, I believe it's dangerous. Um, It's the practice is you usually you'll put an arm out to one side and then the practitioner will press down on that arm and will claim that they can feel certain resistance or weakness um, at that, you know, in your muscles. And then they'll diagnose you based on oh, that's your kidneys, oh, that's your liver, oh, that's this, oh, I need to do this adjustment to you. And now, when I was a younger Christian, I went to chiropractors, and I'm not condemning that, I'm not condemning all chiropractors, but I went through that kind of muscle testing, and I'm telling you, even at that time, I went, okay, you're saying I'm weaker now? And I'm going, no, that's no no difference. I mean, I can feel it. feels the same so um worst case scenario is i i know of an individual who got sucked actually sucked into the occult starting Mm -hmm. at that point
0: i i think that's that's kind of that's the that is something that's to take home is for our listeners is um and, and we talked about this in yoga i mean you could you could get down and pull your arm and stretch this way and stretch that way and um And those could be positions that you might see in a yoga studio, but that's not yoga. Uh, But when you get in there and you say namaste, and you get in there and you are being led down this Hindu liturgy, that's where the Christians need to say, I cannot baptize this with just in Christian and think that I'm redeeming it, or I can receive this just because I got... um, mute christian music playing in the background caleb is on and so therefore this is okay you're you're playing with something that is totally not christian and you're not you've left the category of just stretching right um
1: absolutely and i
0: think that's with with some of this muscle testing and so on it's when you ask someone okay can we do could you try this kind of stuff and not have any of the, the mystic or the, the, the Eastern philosophy, they, they'd say, well, no, I need that. I need that to describe this. This is essential. Then you're like, okay, well then I don't know if I can receive that. I don't know if I could participate well, it, in that.
1: just on a practical level. It's uncanny that whenever you're diagnosed by kinesiology, uh, it's called applied kinesiology is the actual technical term, <laughs> Inevitably, you're going to be prescribed a whole line of, of expensive supplements that the practitioner just happens to sell. <laughs> I mean, I know. I I was there as a you know young believer. I was there. I bought some of the supplements. They didn't help. <laughs> I don't have kidney problems. I don't have liver problems. I didn't then. I don't now. So, yeah.
0: Well, Pam, we are,
1: beware. Well,
0: we're out of time. We're going to have to visit some more of these things in the future. Thank you for being on the show. It's great to have you back. And it's great to be doing this podcast again.
1: Really fun, Joshua. Thank you so much.
0: This concludes another episode of the Truth Exchange podcast program where we have conversations about worldview all through that lens of one or two. Thanks for stopping by. Don't forget to drop us a line and let us know how you like the program or send us any questions about cultural apologetics that you'd like to see covered. Remember, this program is listener-supported and only made possible by friends like you.